the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's a brand new week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in church, uh, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart. All you have to do is call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. Everything else will be hands-free and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hope this weekend was a good one for you at church. We had a rocky start yesterday with the storms and the rain. It was raining so hard and it was really, really dark. But the light came into the church of course, and we had a great, great time yesterday, and I trust that you did too. People got saved. I hope that happened at your church. Everyone that gets saved is one person closer to Jesus coming back, so uh, look up. Look at that eastern sky every day. Jesus is coming back. Because it's Monday, we got some things going on here tonight. Uh, Our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies all occur at 7 o'clock tonight. Uh, ladies, you can watch at calvarysa.com if you can't get here. Just remember, it's always better to be here. Um, that way you can participate in the in the discussion that occurs after the teaching. Uh, and I think tonight you will especially be blessed. One of our ladies who's teaching for the first time, she's been walking around here all day like she was really, really nervous. So that's what's going on here. Uh, also, if you have smaller kids, we have children's uh, ministry as well. Uh, it's not Bible studies and stuff, but your kids will be taken care of as well. So you can make it a family affair tonight. That's at 7 o'clock. Well, let's get to some questions. A couple of things have come up that I want to talk about very quickly. Uh, the first one, I said that um, we will be dealing with uh, the Convergent Church question that was sent to us by Ryan from Bernie. And Ryan, I'm really sorry that I didn't have this information available uh, when you called Friday, but I had just never heard of the church. But I did look it up, the uh, Convergence Church movement and the Convergence Church in Wisconsin. And I promise you, these are not places you want anybody that you care about to go to. These are churches... um, um, they're kind of the cool kids in town. You know, they're the ones that are accepting and affirming of everybody. They're affirming of homosexual lifestyle. They're affirming of gender identity uh, issues. Uh, nobody needs to change. Uh, their Jesus is not the righteous, holy God of the Bible. And so, Ryan, this is not a church that you would want anybody to go to. And I think you said uh, on on uh, Friday that your son um, visited the church. Again, it's going to be the cool 
place, the hip band and and all the 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 attendant uh, trappings. But um, boy, what they don't have is the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So, uh, the Convergence Church is absolutely a no, um, and kids could easily be fooled. And you know, the, the really sad thing about this is that. Uh, these uh, these kids, uh, I was talking to Pastor Ken about this just a little while ago, these kids are the ones who are being inundated with social media uh, acceptance and affirmation, and, and uh, they're the ones who need to be equipped to deal with the lies. And uh, unfortunately, we've got so-called Christian churches that are feeding the lie, um, with false teaching. So um, keep away from that. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I, I won't talk about this for a long time, but for a moment, we've got to know things that are coming our way. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, Christians are going to be persecuted and there are going to be some things that we can't say and some of the things that we would say could be labeled as hate speech. And I think most of the time um, when when people like me say stuff like that, um, the response is, oh, he's being so dramatic. It's not that bad. Well, it is. It is. There was a pastor in Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is just north of us. A pastor in Oklahoma uh, was served with a five-year restraining order that prevented him from preaching and or praying in front of a local uh, LGBTQ uh, community facility. Uh, and all he's trying to do is sound the alarm. One of the things that he was talking about. Now, I'm, I wasn't aware of this until I checked into the story. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, drag queens teaching in our public schools. Um, uh, I wasn't aware that that. I mean, it, it's impossible to me to think that any public school would have a drag queen come in and speak to their children. I mean, that just makes no sense. But I saw the pictures and I read the story. And um, um, the the local law enforcement remembered that Oklahoma is a very conservative state. And even there, this pastor has been served with a restraining order for five years that keeps him away from that LGBTQ facility. And uh, all somebody had to do is, well, he's threatening us. And he wasn't threatening. There were no threats issued. He's simply reading the Bible and praying for them. And he's doing it so that they can see him. And, of course, a court has decided that that is harassment. And now he can no longer do it. Uh, it's not going to be long. Audience, it's not going to be long before reading Romans chapter 1 is going to be considered hate speech. It already is in Canada. It won't be long before it's here. So we need to be ready. And in the meantime, what we need to do is share Jesus with people. We need to, 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 to be active in sharing our faith. Paul says, unless we're active in sharing our faith, we don't have a, a real understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. Uh, but we also need to be prepared in terms of making a decision. And uh, I've known this was coming for some time, and I had to wrestle through this. What am I going to do if I'm threatened with arrest or if I'm threatened with fines? And, and the answer is pretty simple. We're going to teach the Bible. We're going to keep doing what we do exactly the way we do it. Um, but we're not naive, and we know that uh, soon, sooner rather than later, there's going to be a lot of persecution that comes along with that. So so uh, just keep in mind, we need to be ready. As believers, we need not be caught off guard. You know this stuff is coming. Here's an anonymous question that came in from our email inbox. Hi, Pastor Ron. I hope you're well. Thank you. I am well. Here's my question. What is your opinion on Pokemon? My son wants to start collecting cards, but uh, I'm not sure if it's the right thing as I don't know enough about it. And some people think it's demonic. Can you please let me know what you think? Uh, Anonymous, I am not a Pokemon expert at all. Um, I, I, I hate it that Christians get so carried away that everything that they disagree with is demonic. Uh, I know... Uh, that there are pornographic images as some people get um, um, deeper and deeper into Pokemon. But I think like anything else, uh, if the practice is supervised by the parents 
and the parents have access. It's the same way with social media, the same way with with access to websites on the phones that we give our kids. I think the one thing that we need to do is supervise every aspect of their lives. And I think Pokemon, we've got some kids here who do Pokemon. These kids love the Lord, and, and it hasn't affected them. But I, I do understand that there are some uh, who have, um, in the collecting of Pokemon cards, uh, have uh, ventured into pornographic images and things like that. Uh, but but it, nothing is demonic. Everything, money is demonic if you give in to the devil and, and his plan for your life. So um, just we need to be balanced in our approach. And as long as your son is collecting cards and, and he, what he's doing is in full view of mom and dad, uh, as long as he can't do anything that you don't know about, then supervise it and it can become a good thing. It can become a good thing. I've got kids in the church who are really experts and they would be better served. And in fact, my producers here, so I'm going to have to make a note of this. I want to get my youth pastors back in here uh, on the program. Uh, it was a wonderful program. It's been a long time since we did it. But uh, you can hear from the youth pastors what your children are asking them, the things that they're dealing with. And uh, and issues like this can come up as well. So that's the best I can do because um, I, I probably would recognize a Pokemon card if somebody showed me, but it's not something I've spent uh, 30 seconds on uh, at all. So that's the best I can do with that. Here is another question that came in. Oh, question from Anonymous. Um, would you recommend gotquestions.com? Org as a resource. That's the first question. Uh, considering the gifts of the Spirit mentioned by Paul, can someone still be an apostle or a prophet today? Uh, first of all, um, gotquestions.org uh, is a wonderful resource. It, it's, it is, in fact, a Calvary Chapel resource. So uh, one of the directors is uh, Gino Geraci, who has been on this program and who does a Salem um, radio program similar to this uh, in Colorado, he does it five days a week. His program is two hours, not not one like mine. Uh, but we've had him at our church, love him, and he is as solid as you can possibly be. So yes, gotquestions.org is an excellent resource. Now remember, we need to be Bereans. So we don't just look up the question and see the answer. What we've got to do is we've got to dig in ourselves, do the work, and then use them as a resource. But it doesn't mean that everything they say is right or that you're going to agree with everything that they say. They have dozens and dozens of people answering the questions uh, because the number, the sheer volume of questions that is coming in uh, can be overwhelming at times. Uh, and so you're going to get different views, different uh, perspectives, uh, doctrinally or theologically. Uh, but overall, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful resource. And I can vouch for the character of the men who are behind it in terms of leadership. So yes, uh, gotquestions.org is a good resource. Um, considering the gifts of the Spirit mentioned by Paul, um, um, can someone still be an apostle or prophet today? The answer to that is no. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with the gifts of the Spirit. Apostles and prophets are gifts of God to the church, uh, as are pastors, evangelists, and teachers. It's actually evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, those are gifts of God to the church of Jesus Christ. Um, however, he makes a distinction. And this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. He makes a distinction between the gift of apostle and the gift of prophet, from the other gifts, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, here's the distinction. He says, and the Greek is really clear on this, um, the church is being built. It's in the continuous present tense. The church is being built on a foundation already laid. In other words, in the Greek, the, the tense, it's a completed task. It's done. The church is being built on the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. They're the foundational gifts. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He's the one who gave the church those gifts. 
but they are foundational to the church and they no longer exist. The office of prophet or the office of apostle no longer exists. Hebrews chapter 1 begins with with God saying, in the past God spoke to our forefathers uh, in many ways at various times through the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken in son. In other words, Jesus is his final word. So there's no need for a office of prophet, it was foundational. Now, when Paul wrote Ephesians, obviously there were New Testament prophets. We know there was a prophet, I call him the dramatic prophet, named Agabus. There was Philip's four daughters who were prophetesses. Obviously, we know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, um, uh, James, Jude, um, we know Peter, we know that they were prophets as well as apostles. But, but they didn't have Bibles, so at that particular time, as the church was exploding, people needed to know what to do. They had questions, and so God had prophets who spoke the Word of God. So when, when, when the question was asked, and they spoke it, or, or what now we know has been written to us, um, they're, they're no longer needed as prophets. So that's foundational. The church is being built on a foundation already laid. But the other gifts, again, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, uh, those gifts are in the continuous present tense as well. So the idea is they are still in existence. So no prophets, no apostles. Now let me talk about the office of apostle for a moment. Um, uh, the, the, The term apostle means one who is sent. So the idea is that there are still apostolic type ministries, uh, people that are sent. I believe that I was sent uh, in an apostolic style ministry from California to Texas uh, to be a pastor. Uh, In other words, I left where I was to go there. Uh, There are people that are being sent all over the world, and they have an apostolic style of ministry, but they are not apostles. And so when you see uh, churches that are advertising um, that they're led by apostles or they, they, they have prophets who are, who are working today, those are churches that are really, really doctrinally unsound and even dangerous. So um, anonymous, there are no apostles, no prophets. Now, it's, let me confuse you just a little bit further. The gift... The gift of prophecy still exists. Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. But that's a gift for the edification, the building of the church. It's not a gift where we foretell the future or we come in and say, thus saith the Lord. The only time any of us can say, thus saith the Lord, is when we are quoting the word of God. So I can have a prophetic gift and, and then it would be me quoting the word of God. But that doesn't make me a prophet. Having the gift, and I have the gift of prophecy. Um, I do it all the time when I'm teaching. Sometimes I know I'm doing it. Other times I don't know I'm doing it. It's only confirmed afterwards when people come to me and say, well, I was asking God about this, and you mentioned this exact thing that I was asking. Um, So I have the gift of prophecy, but I am not a prophet. And and, uh, if I claim to be, then I would be taking the glory, the honor that goes to God. So, no prophets, no apostles today. Those are gifts from God to the church and the gift of apostle and prophet. Those offices are now closed. The others are still being utilized to grow the church. Good questions. Thank you very, very much again. I want to recommend to everybody gotquestions.org. If you have questions, uh, you will get some really great answers. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. If you um, are interested in emailing questions, you can email questions at calvaryessay.com. I almost said got questions, but questions at calvaryessay.com. Here is an anonymous question. Um, Hello, Pastor. Good day. And I pray for you and Paula every day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, anonymous. That means so much. Um, he or she continues, I've heard you say that you would recommend homeschooling, 
My daughter's headed to ninth grade next year, and I've recognized a slight change in her demeanor over this past year. I'm looking to get her homeschooled to avoid the world getting a firm grip on her. By chance, is there a particular platform or online curriculum that you can recommend? Um, anonymous, and, and she signs or he signs off respectfully, and I so appreciate it and your prayers. Um, you know, that would be a better call uh, to, to our school. Uh, you could ask for uh, Pastor Will, who's the principal of our school, and he would have more accurate information on curriculum. And he'd be happy to talk to you. Uh, you can just dial our number and ask for Principal Will or Pastor Will, same guy. Um, I, I, I want to be clear here. Um, I've never recommended homeschooling. Uh, I recommend it over public school teaching. And that's not always been my position. But the schools have become so wicked. Um, they have become so dominated by this woke nonsense uh, embracing sin and making anybody who would believe in Jesus Christ feel awfully foolish. Um, um, so homeschooling, I would recommend over um, public school for sure. Um, but homeschooling's got a lot of problems. And typically, uh, the biggest problem with homeschooling is the one who's doing the teaching. You know, when we now do curriculum, and, and we use uh, sort of a, a modified a Becca curriculum, and we have written a lot of our own curriculum over the years, um, but um, when when um, somebody is um, in a school uh, where Jesus is not being honored, then um, that's a really, really problem. And the problem with most homeschools, again, is the teacher. When somebody is uh, sitting behind a screen all day and, and is not supervised, um, when somebody is uh, able to go, to, I call it church in pajamas at times, you know, not every parent, God bless them, and I love their heart for wanting to protect their kids. But the truth is, if you're not a good teacher, you shouldn't be teaching. If there's not going to be discipline, if there's not going to be consistency, then you shouldn't be teaching. And that's the problem that I have. And uh, I recommend mostly because of the socialization, because of discipline required, uh, I recommend um, uh, Christian schools. Make sure the doctrine is good. But um, I know it's hard for some people because Christian schools can be expensive. Uh, one of the reasons, Anonymous, that that uh, God has made me so passionate about this is this is so important to him that we now are just about ready to wrap up our 24th year of a free Christian school. And our kids are, are accepted to colleges all over the country. Uh, our kids are uh, rigorously tested. Um, uh, our, our curriculum is difficult. Um, we prepare them for college, but more than that, we prepare them with faith, by, by strengthening their faith. And we prepare them to go out into a world that's going to try to steal their faith. Uh, and God, again, thinks this is so important that he's asked us for 24 years now to do this for free. Now, one thing you can do, Anonymous, and ask everybody else, ask people to pray for us. We want a bigger space. Um, we, we've got a waiting list years long. And what I would really like to do is never have to say no to another child. Never. We we have kids that aren't saved in our school. They end up getting saved almost uh, universally. Um, uh, parents often get saved. That that happens less frequently. But we require that they come to, to church a couple of times a week, um, a couple times a month, rather. Um, so it's not too stringent. But we want them to know who we are, what we're teaching. We want them to be active in, in their children's education. Um, and uh, you know what? Uh, if we had more space... Um, we would we we could wipe out um, our waiting list. You know, we have 135 kids. That's all we can fit in our facility. Um, if we had space um, by next August, when school starts again, uh, we could have 500 to 700 kids w without even trying hard. That's the, the interest that we have. Again, it's a, it's a, a challenging school, uh, but our kids are doing well in college. Those that go. Uh, we actually have 100% college placement for those kids that, that want to go. Not everybody does. We've got kids that go in the military, other kids who just know that college isn't their thing, and they'll go to Bible college, or they'll just go out in the world and get jobs, which is fine. Uh, but um, if you're thinking about homeschooling, 
um, just be sure that you're as committed to it um, and and gifted to do the teaching. You know, teachers, whether they're public school or private school, um, teaching is a hard thing. It's not easy, and it requires sacrifice like anything else that God asks us to do. It requires sacrifice. And uh, you just have to be sure that um, you're committed as committed as they are. And remember, discipline, uh, timeliness, um, supervision, all of those things. I'm sorry, I had to sneeze. All of those things um, should factor in. So um, God bless you for wanting to make sure the world doesn't get a firm grip on your daughter. Um, But um, please, please, please... um, Consider it carefully and prayerfully. Okay, we just went inside one minute for this half of the program. Boy, the time is really going fast. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. A quick reminder, we have our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies tonight at 7 o'clock, and you are all invited to to take uh, part of that. Uh, And uh, when we come back on the second half of the program, uh, we'll have some other questions while we wait. Any phone calls? 210-340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We'll be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of our monday show 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-5757 let's go to cindy on line one cindy thank you for calling you're on the air I'm going to jump off the cliff and build my wings on the way down <laughs> sort of way of asking this question because I've been thinking about it for quite a while and I'm still not, I'm still kind of formulating it. Now, the Jews have an automatic stumbling block to believe in Jesus, but they always believed in God. Now, the Gentiles, we don't seem to have some kind of stumbling block, but I'm wondering where did the Gentiles come from and what did they believe before, before what, what did they believe in? Also, were the Jews the first people to introduce the belief in God to the Gentiles? Now, the reason I'm kind of asking this about about the no stumbling block is that when I was about three years old, my biological father's mother, my grandmother, had me for a few years when I was really young, and she told me about Jesus. And I knew the minute she said his name, I mean, my heart just was was alive. I knew that Jesus was real without any uh, hesitation. So I'm just kind of wondering, um, do Gentiles have an automatic thing that kind of believes in God? Or I don't know. If, you know what? I think I'm just going yeah. around and... So no, I, if you I, want to... Oh, it's a great, it's a great, yeah, it's a great question, Cindy. I had another lady in the church ask me just the, the question another way. She said, where did Jews come from? And uh, obviously new believers. And, and uh, the idea here is that, uh, and, and let me, let me kind of backtrack a minute. Jews don't have a stumbling block. Jesus was a stumbling block, but, but not caused by God. It's not like God made it harder for them to believe. And I think sometimes we get that impression. Jesus was a stumbling block because his message was the opposite uh, message that the Jews wanted to hear. And they chose in the hardness of their heart uh, to hold on to what their expectations about the Christ would was or, or the Messiah to come would be. 
And uh, when Jesus appeared, he came to his own and his own received him not. Uh, Their response was, we will not have this man rule over us. It's always a matter of authority. People don't want to stop sinning. They don't want God to interfere with the choices that they make. What they want is a God that will do what they want. When Jesus said, uh, blessed are the meek, they didn't want to hear that. Meekness was weakness in a Jewish mindset. Uh, So Jesus said, love your enemies. They didn't want to love their enemies. They wanted the Christ to deliver them from their enemies. So he became a stumbling block because of their hard hearts. It wasn't that God put a hurdle in their path that they had to jump over. Now, this is very important because uh, understanding that before Abraham, remember, Abraham is the first Jew. Before Abraham, everybody was a Gentile. And and I I define Gentile by being non-Jew. There was no such thing. Abraham came from uh, an idol-worshipping family out of Ur, the Chaldees. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the Chaldees have all kinds of, of ites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, 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 all of the ites, the types of the flesh. All of them were Gentiles, in other words, non-Jew. What God did when he chose Abraham was he chose a people for himself. Now, God knew that Abraham was seeking him. We know that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And Abraham, an idol worshiper, there had to be something going on in his heart that suggested that, that my heart is empty. I made these idols with my hands, and now I'm offering sacrifices to them, or I'm worshiping them in other ways. Uh, and, and he just knew that wasn't real. Now, we're not given specifics But we know that in order to find God, you've got to set your heart on finding him and then God will reveal himself to you. And that's why God called his name. In the middle of that searching, God called his name. Imagine how radical that was. Gods didn't talk. Gods were stones. Gods were rocks. Gods were made out of gems. So so they don't talk. And yet he said, Abram, Abram. And, and and Abraham then became the first Jew. And Jews are, by definition, Cindy, the descendants, the physical descendants of Abraham. Now, Jesus said, if you were children of Abraham, then you would believe in me. You would follow me. Um, so the physical descendants weren't all Jews. Uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 11, not all Israel is Israel. And that's a play in the words. Israel means governed by God. And basically what he's saying is not all Jews are governed by God. They, they, they come from out uh, or out from under uh, the authority of God. Uh, and, and he said, so a Jew is a Jew inwardly. Circumcision not of the flesh, but a circumcision of the heart. And Abraham's descendants were Jews. And from Abraham forward, his physical descendants were national or ethnic Jews. But the spiritual Jews are the ones who followed his faith, copied his faith. And so that's the difference. But remember, Jews didn't start. All people were the same. They were all non-Jews. And God called a special people for himself. The, the sign of, of circumcision was a covenant they made with God that would physically identify Jewish men uh, with with uh, with with God, but um, they were not before Gentiles. Everybody was a Gentile, and then Abraham, uh, God introduced the, 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 himself to the world through Father Abraham. I uh, hope that's that. Now, she asked, did the Jews introduce Jesus to the Gentiles? Um, no. Um, the, the Holy Spirit introduced Jesus to the Gentiles. Uh, f- physically, it was Peter who went to uh, the house of Cornelius um, to tell him about Jesus. But it was the Holy Spirit who put that in the heart of Cornelius in his household. And, of course, they were the first Gentiles who believed so, Cindy, thank you for the question. I appreciate it. And it's a, a much deeper question than you gave yourself credit for. Let's go to line two. Talk with Ruben from Seguin. Ruben, good to hear from you. God bless you, Pastor. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you, Ruben. That's great. Uh, Pastor, I have a question. 
Um, I have some friends that are listening. Um, they're in from Washington. Uh, they actually came for Fiesta, and I'm trying to talk them into <laughs> going to church. <laughs> I'm trying to talk them into to going to your church. Uh, they, I can't tell them to go to my church because I don't have a church. <laughs> so, but uh, we're all we all served in the Marines way back when. Way, way back. I told you how old I was, right? Well, yeah, you told me how old you were, but the one thing you've never told us in all these years, Ruben, is that you were a Marine. Ah, was a Marine. Yes, sir. I'm once a Marine, always a Marine. Yes, sir. Hoorah. Uh, did, yeah, hoorah, hoorah. That's <laughs> right. And so we have these uh, I have these friends that came in, and they, they called me and said, hey, we're going to be in town. You want to go to Fiesta? I said, no. But anyways, that's what we, we, they came over and we barbecued and, uh, yesterday. And so uh, it didn't rain, so thank God. But anyways, we got to talking, and we all took a, like a collective question. Uh, we asked everyone's thought on this, and now I want to get your thought on this. Has God or does God forgive us for what we did? And I don't need to go into, you know, graphic detail or anything because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure everybody could know what we did when we went in uh, the first time to uh, during freedom and and uh, um, Iraqi freedom and all that. And then the, the Afghanistan war, uh, which we took part of. Does God has God forgiven us for what we did and, you know, the lives that we took? Yeah, Ruben, great question. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go pretty deep on this, so, so kind of just listen offline, Ruben, and we'll go from that. First, let me say to you, Ruben, this is person you know I love you. If you're going to tell people go to church, you can't be a hypocrite. You've got to get your behind in church as well. So, so we'd love to see you bring your friends. Now, does God forgive us for what we did in acts of war? The answer is God forgives individuals who come to faith in Jesus Christ, repent of any sins that they were a part of, and then all of our sins are forgiven and forgotten as far from us as east is from west. So uh, I'll speak personally, and then you can communicate this to them uh, if they were part of of, uh, sinful activity. Now, killing people in war is not murder. The commandment, thou shalt not kill, unfortunately... Uh, should be translated, thou shalt not murder. And we've gotten a lot of differences of opinions over the years because of the use of the word kill. It's thou shalt not murder. And, and some in war, people die. I hate to use the word collateral damage, but in war, people die. And there are just causes to die for and to go to war for. Now, the question remains, uh, were those wars just wars? And we can all have different opinions, but God forgives no one of their sins unless they are a born-again Christian. I think that's the thing that we need to remember. A born-again Christian, all your sins, past, present, and future, are wiped away. If you're not a born-again Christian, all of your sins, not just what you did in a war zone, but all of your sins still testify against you. And apart from coming to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you will be told, depart from me, you doer of iniquity, for I never knew you. So that's the thing that we have to remember. It's not a national forgiveness. There's no such thing. God in these last days, and the last days are defined by the ascension of Jesus. That's when it started. And they will end when Jesus returns to this earth, Revelation chapter 19, to restore justice and righteousness to the world. So in these last days, the only way to get saved is to come individually to Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, asking God to forgive you, and surrendering your heart to Jesus Christ, being born again, and then all of your sins are forgiven. So Reuben, in your case, and again, I'll use you as an example because I know your background, um, uh, your sins are wiped away. Anything and everything that you've done related to your military service or just your everyday life, all of those things are forgiven and forgotten and they no longer need to be a burden. 
Now, if I was at that table when uh, when you you were enjoying your barbecue and having this conversation, uh, I would have taken that opportunity to tell people, uh, look, if you're concerned about that, here is the answer. Here's the solution. Right now, you can ask Jesus for forgiveness, but you've got to believe with all of your heart that Jesus was the Son of God, God the Son, who lived, who died, who didn't stay dead, which validates every claim he made, and he said he was the only way to the Father in heaven. And so rather than be a moral arbiter of the justness or the lack of just war, we can simply say God deals not with nations. God deals today with individuals. And I would have told every one of them, you can leave here right now knowing beyond any doubt that you're completely forgiven of all of your sins and unencumbered to walk with Jesus every day. So, Reuben, that's that's a great opportunity that they gave you so you can follow up with them. But, yeah, they, they their sins can be forgiven. And um, uh, my producer, who is a Marine, um, says we got lots of Marines here <laughs> who would greet you and throw their arms around you and love on you. So thank you, Reuben. I appreciate it very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Tad. He says, I've been thinking about the mass shootings that we've experienced. How can there be any comfort at all if the people who die are not the elect of God? Tad, you have been listening to some hardcore Calvinists, haven't you? The comfort that we receive is that everybody has a chance to come to Jesus Christ. But the idea that you're communicating here that that the only people that get comfort are the elect of God and those people who are not chosen by God, well, they're not going to get into heaven because God didn't want them to heaven. You, you're, you've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. The world and the whosoever's. So that's all we've got to do. Just believe in Jesus Christ. And every person, every single person will have that opportunity. Now, some of our mass shootings have been with kids. And the comfort we can have is that those kids uh, who died at a young age, uh, certainly before the age of accountability, uh, those kids instantly went into the presence of the Lord. You know, Ted, one of the things that I like to remind people is since God lives outside of time and space and he knows everything that's going to happen, I can promise you that at those school shootings in particular, that campus or those campuses are surrounded with angels. And those angels' job is to take people to heaven instantly. That's the comfort that we can have. Those young kids who died before the age of accountability, every single one of them went directly into the presence of Jesus. Now, the problems get a little bit more complicated, Tad. We think about those high schools that have been shot up and the kids that are doing the shootings. Those kids are old enough and they're accountable. They're accountable for their own walk with the Lord. And every single one of them is absolutely free to believe in Jesus Christ if they will. But in order to believe, you've got to want to stop sinning. You've got to be sorry for your sins. And if you're sorry for your sins, you ask God to forgive you, and then uh, we can have the comfort of knowing that they went directly into the arms of Jesus. So um, there's our source of comfort. He is our source of comfort. But your suggestion that, well, we don't know if the people who died were the elect of God, God's call for salvation is efficacious for everyone but it's only effective for those who will receive Jesus Christ by faith. And then all the grace in the world is available. But believe me, uh, when uh, somebody goes in and starts shooting up someplace, people are dying, um, we don't have to wonder whether or not they're elect to God. All we have to do is wonder, did they receive Jesus Christ? So, Ted, that's the best I can do with that question. Uh, Please, please, please throw away your Calvinism junk, please. Here's a question anonymously, uh, <laughs> shortened to the point. Uh, my pastor says psychology is from the devil. Is that true? Um, sorta. Now, when I say sorta, don't everybody get mad at me all at once. 
But when I say sort of, the ideas behind modern psychology, all of them came from uh, atheists, God-haters, people that began their studies with the assumption that there is no God. So, in a way, psychology has its roots that come from the devil. Um, But we've made a lot of progress over the centuries. Not all psychology is bad. Uh, I know Christians, committed, born-again Christians, who have their degrees in psychology. We have a a, a lady at our church, one of the most beautiful ladies in the church. I just uh, love her with all of my heart. Her heart is so pure and so right. And she's one of our regular Saturday morning uh, prayer people. And she's praying for her her, uh, clients by appointment time. Lord, the man that I'm meeting at 11 o'clock or the man that I met uh, at 3 o'clock. I mean, she's praying for them specifically. And I promise you that the counsel that they're getting from her is godly, biblical counsel. So we can't paint with a broad brush. Um, Psychology has its roots in um, uh, unbelief. Um, Unbelief, we know, comes from the enemy. Um, But that doesn't mean we throw... uh, all of the psychology and those who are psychologists out simply because of the foundation. I will say this. Um, even Christians who, who are psychologists, uh, who uh, rely on, you know, the, the Jungs and, and uh, uh, the, the other f- fathers of modern psychology, um, they're, they're the ones missing out. They have an opportunity to give people real answers, real solutions to real problems. And the idea that that uh, I'm going to lean on what um, Carl Jung said um, rather than what the Bible says, um, they're missing an opportunity. So uh, I'd say to your pastor, tone it down just a little bit. Not all uh, psychology is from the devil. Uh, just remember the idea that there is no God. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So the idea that there is no God automatically disqualifies from any credibility any of those ideas. So I hope that makes sense. Um, Marcy wants to know, what is meant by fathers do not exasperate your children? That's a great question. One translation uses the word embitter. Another translation uh, says exasperate. And I think, Marcy, what what it means is that uh, when we live a life that is inconsistent with what we say with our mouths, then that is exasperating to our children. We say one thing and live something else, and, and we're setting a, 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 an example that is hypocritical, and, and we're, we're misleading our children. You know, one of the things I've seen over my years here, uh, parents who insist their children go to church— uh, well, at home, the children listen to their moms and their dads yelling at each other, saying horrible things to each other. And, and the children then want no part of Jesus. That is to embitter them against God. That's to exasperate them. What am I supposed to believe? If their Jesus can't change this, then why do I want him? So I think what it is meant by it is that it's the responsibility of fathers to set an example of godliness, of righteousness in the home. And if we'll do that, then our children will see uh, consistent. I had an opportunity to, today. I was doing some pre-marriage counseling for uh, a couple that literally have grown up in the church. I mean, they've been here uh, forever. Um, I've watched them grow up. And it was so refreshing to sit in front of those two and not have to explain terms, um, you know, not have to question their heart, question whether or not they've remained pure uh, in the in the process of preparing for the marriage. Um, it was just wonderful to watch. It, it was just, I, I wish every pre-marriage counseling session could be like that. And um, I talked to them. They both want children. So I said, when you start having children, You've got to protect your walk with the Lord. You've got to be an example of godliness. I love it that this young man, the first question he asked, he said, well, I just want to be sure I know what it means to be the godly leader in my home. And we're able to talk about what being a godly leader is all about and what it looks like. Uh, If 
he didn't do those things. Well, you can imagine that would frustrate your children. Your children would would hear you say one thing and see you do something else. And those are things that are going to cause that kind of conflict in the home. So, Marcy, any father, and, and I'll add mothers, especially single mothers, uh, who are not walking consistently uh, with the Lord, um, uh, th- that, that would cause... Um, immense frustration to your children and embitter many of them against the Lord himself. So good question. Here's the last one I can get today. This is from Benjamin. He wants to know why is tongues and believing in them not a salvation issue? It seems very important to me if God wants to give us that gift. Well, Benjamin, it's not an essential of our faith. It's certainly an important topic. You're right. But there are people, real Christians, who do not believe that the gift of tongues are for today. And I think a lot of that is based in our misunderstanding of the gift of tongues. I think the abuses of the gift of tongues in so many churches causes all kinds of people to doubt the gift. And because of the misuse, they simply run away from it uh, to their their poverty, spiritual poverty. Uh, so believing in them, I think, is important. It's a wonderful gift. Jesus said every gift given by the Father is a wonderful gift. We should want all of them, and believing in tongues is one of them. But salvation deals with the essentials, the person of Jesus Christ, the character of Jesus, the work that he accomplished, his uh, substitutionary atonement on our behalf, and believing in his death and his resurrection. Those are the essentials of our faith. Thank you, Benjamin, for the question. Well, we are out for today. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. I really appreciate you tuning in. Be blessed. Let the Lord pour His Spirit upon you. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.